<coughs> All right, Jabo, say good morning and a good night. Let us begin. I'm going to begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank all of our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan, Jerry and Abby Applebaum, in memory of Basia Baschaim and David Ben Avram, Doctors Paul and Linda Weinberg, in memory of Mordechai Yoshua Ben Paris Moshe Valea Miriam, Paul and Kathy Pollock and Schusser for for Dana Baker Matson, Stephen Terry Zinn, with gratitude to Akadosh Baruch Hu for their new grandson, Bonum Tzvi Hirsch Zinn, Naftali Tilson, with Akaris Atov to his good chaver Benjamin Wall, and with wishes for a chakasher v'samech to the entire shir, and Avram and Shandy Kelman, in commemoration of the yard site of Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua Heschel. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an aliyah, the family Zain Chama, and we thank all of our sponsors for their incredible generosity. And also with that, let us, let us begin. We have a beautiful daf. Ahead of us today. Today's daf is Mem Dalid. And we are picking up Emir Hashem on, uh, the bottom of Mem Gimelomer days 43b at the Mishnah. So the Mishnah says as follows. Arbo Achin Nisuin Arbo Noshin. Four brothers are married to four sisters. And I will say, so again, this is going back. I'm sorry, I take that back. Four brothers married to four women, not four sisters. Umeisu, and they died. Now, again, we'll discuss the exact parameters of this case in the Mishnah. They died. In If the oldest brother, so we'll say we're going to see, the Gemara is going to question, I'll give you this now just to make, allow the Mishnah to make sense. It sounds like you have four brothers married to four women, and all of the brothers died. Obviously, if all of the brothers died, then what? Then there's no yibum. So obviously the case in question is you have four brothers and three out of the four brothers died or five brothers and four brothers died. The idea over here is that one surviving brother is left with four widows. Now understand, I will say, this is what I said, this is a non-complicated, this is an uncomplicated case. Because remember again, these four women are unrelated <coughs> to one another. And therefore technically speaking, the surviving brother technically has four different mitzvos of yibum in front of him. So therefore, again, the Mishnah says, If the surviving brother wants to do yibum with all of them, so therefore, again, he's going to have four new wives, four new mitzvos of yibum, he has the right to do so. If a man was married to two women and then he died. So I'll say, so then back to another classic case. Reuven passes away. Reuven is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. But Rachel and Leah are unrelated to one another. They're co-wives, right? They're tzaros, but they're unrelated to one another. So now what happens? These two women fall to Shimon in Yibum. What's that? So ultimately Yibum or chalitza with one of these women, goes ahead and exempts the other woman from anything. I will say, this is actually a fascinating Mishnah. Why is this fascinating? Where does it feel like this Mishnah belongs? In the beginning of the Masechta, right? It's, it's just, sometimes it's just so fascinating the way Rebbe, right? Rebbe don't say put together the Mishnah. It's like we've been dealing with such intricate and complicated cases. And let's be honest, let's be honest. When I read Arba Achim this morning, when I said those words, 
you tensed up. I saw it. I saw it in your body language. Like, oh no, oh no. It's Cholomayr. I was feeling good. Things were going well. And now, and it's incredible. So it's fascinating. So what, what is the Mishnah illustrating to me? The Mishnah is illustrating to me a, a simple, a, a, almost like a simple Yibum case of four brothers passing away, four unrelated wives, one surviving brother now being faced with four independent mitzvos of Yibum. And the Mishnah says, okay, if you want to do four mitzvahs of you, you want to marry four women, marry four women. Simple case. Another simple case, Ruvain married to two women, unrelated to one another, except now the fact that they're co-wives. Ruvain dies, both of those women fall to Shimon to Yibum. What is the Mishnah teaching me? It's either Yibum or Chalitza with what? With one of them. With one of them. But because they are looked at as a unit, as a cohort, you can't do Yibam or Chalitza with both. In other words, you have to go ahead and choose which wife you're going to do Yibam and Chalitza. And that takes care of the marital unit. So the Gemara says, Tap of Mandalit. Along these same lines, Ruvain is married to Rachel and Leah. Ruvain passes away. Rachel and Leah now fall to to Shimon. So halacha number one is Shimon. Decide which which wife Rachel or Leah you want to do Yibum or Chalitza with, and what and taking care of this with one wife exempts the co-wife. What happens if Rachel, right, Achaz Shevach Let's say between Rachel and Leah, one of them was Ksheira, we call it, and one of them was Psula. But say just to give you a simple example, these Ksheira and Psula cases are, are, category, are, are designations vis-a-vis who? The Kahuna. So simple example. Let's say when Rachel, Rachel married Ruvain, she was divorced. This was Rachel's second marriage, or her, I'm sorry, her marriage to Ruvain was her second marriage. So she was a Grusha. She was a Grusha, a divorcee. As a divorcee, she was already what? Precluded from marrying into the Kahuna. So now let's say I will say, let's assume over here in this case, Shimon is not going to do Yibam. Shimon is going to do Chalitza. So what does the Mishnah say? If you're going to be doing Chalitza anyway, do low impact Chalitza, right? What's low impact Chalitza? Remember again, a Chalitza is not permitted to go ahead and marry a Kohen. So if you're going to do Chalitza anyway, do Chalitza with who? With who? With Rachel. Right? This way, because Rachel's already a Grusha. So therefore, making her a Chalutza doesn't really have any material impact on her status. As opposed to doing Chalitza with Leah, with Leah, Sahalach so then what you're doing is you're taking her status from an Amana, changing her to a Chalutza, which now precludes her from marrying into the Kahuna. Now, obviously, if Shimon wants to do Yibom, when it comes to Yibom, I'll say, you know, it's interesting. As opposed to, as opposed to, the yibum chalitza obligation, which devolves upon the oldest brother. If you've noticed, one thing we haven't seen is an order of precedence between the wives for, let's say, yibum. Right? There's no such concept, for example, that the wife, the deceased brother, married first. You know, is the ideal candidate for yibum. Rather, again, who does the surviving brother do yibum with? If he's going to do yibum, what does he do it with? Whoever he chooses. Whoever he chooses. So Lamaisa, this is talking about, so obviously if Shimon wants to do Yibam, he can do Yibam with, with, with whoever he wants. Again, we, then we get back into the Machlokes of Abashon, the Rabbonon, whether or not one requires purity of intent for the mitzvah. But Lamaisa, if you're going to go out and do Chalitza, so the Mishnah says, do Chalitza with the least, we'll call it the, the least, the least impact, low impact chalitza, to which the Gemara says, Now this is interesting. The Mishnah says, if you're going to do yibum, do yibum with the ksheira. Now I will say, well, we'll discuss exactly what this means.
Right, so halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa. If you're going to do yibum, so do yibum with the one who is kshira. I'll say now, kshira in this context would sound like what? Would sound like Leah, right? Because she's not the grusha from the previous marriage. But we'll see what that means. Says the Gemara, arba achin So I gave this away a little bit because it was hard to it's hard to read the Mishnah without kind of giving this away. Remember, what is the Mishnah bothered by? The way when you read the case of the Mishnah, it sounds like there are four brothers married to four women, and four brothers die. Okay, well, if that's the case, then what? Then what? Then there's no Yibum because everyone has passed away. To which the Gemara says, arba Rather, we'll say the way to read the Mishnah is, you have a large child, we'll call it five brothers. And four of the five brothers passed away, and there is one surviving brother for Yibum. Okay, so the Mishnah, so what did the Mishnah say? The surviving brother wants to marry all four women. If he wants to marry all four, he wants to do Yibum four times. Harushus Biyada, ultimately, he has the right and he has the ability to do so. So it says the Gimara, the Shaf do we let him do that? I'm sorry, I'm saying one moment here. The Shaf Will we actually allow him to do that? Says the Gemara. Vatanya, we learned. This is fascinating. I will say, again, what, what's so exciting about this Gemara is, like I said, it feels like all of this should be on Daf Beis. Because it's really, look, watch. Vishavki, the Gemara says, will we, let, will we let surviving brother marry four women? Vatanya, we learned. Vikarlo, Ziknea, Yer. So we'll say, the Gemara now is going to dissect the Pasuk by Yibum slash Chalitza. So the Pasuk over here that we're talking about is, Vikarlo, Ziknea, Yer. The elders of the city will call the surviving brother. The Dibro Elad, they will speak with him. And ultimately, again, he will say, I do not want to take her. So the Pasuk over here is where we're talking about Chalitza. So listen to this. They will call to him the elders of the city. So we'll say, what's Talacha? It has to be the Beisdin that calls out to the Yavam. And not and not the not the agents of the basin. So in other words, when it comes to the Yavam, they have to be going ahead and speaking to him directly. Okay, Vidibray love, they will speak with him. Melamir Shemasino Eitzahogenis. So we'll say this is fascinating. Bazdin gives the Yavam advice. We try the Bazin tries to advise the Yavam as to what is the best course of action. For example, Shimhu Haya Yala, Shimhu Yalad. Let's say the surviving brother is young, is young, and the Yavama, the widow, is old, is old, or, or, or he's very old, and she's very young. We say to the Yavam, we say to the Yavam, we say to the Yavam, ultimately again, come on. This marriage is not going what, what, what to... What, like, what possibility do you have to build a relationship with this woman? Right? She's much older than you. She's much younger than you. So we'll say, this is fascinating. So we see that Bazin really gets involved with the Yavam to try to guide him in making the right direction. That if Bazin looks and they say, you know what? This is not a shidduch, right? This, this is not really a marriage. That's great. It's true that in this context is a mitzvah of yibum, but this is not a relationship that has a, a, a chance of real success. We tell him. We tell him, you know what? Maybe for you in this situation, better to do chalitza. Better to do chalitza. So the Gemara says, So ma'alecha eitzah 
you know what? You're better off finding a woman who's more similar to you and do not create fighting, kitata, or, or, or friction in your home. In other words, so the basin says to him, come on, this is, this is just not a good idea. So the Gemara says, so therefore again, why is Gemara bringing this up? I will say, Bepashtos, in this kind of case, can you imagine? Well, we'll call them, we'll call them Zvulun, right? Zvulun shows up in Bezdin. And his brothers, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda all passed away, right? And now he's faced with four widows. So Zvulun has always been a very idealistic guy. He shows up in Bezdin, he's like, let's go, right? Let, let, let's, let's do this, right? For Yevamis, Mamish, I can't wait, all of the mitzvahs, this is beautiful. You remember what it's like to be so idealistic and wonderful, right? So the Gemara says, Bepashtos, what Bezdin tell him? Zvulun, Zvulun, calm down. Right, calm down, right, right. This, this, is, this is not a good idea, right? This is not going to work out well. So yet the Mishnah seems to say, like, listen, if Zulun wants to marry all four women, marry all four women. I said, really? Really? Would, would we allow Zulun to marry four women? Is this, is this a good idea? Uh, uh, you know, in, in, in any universe, is this a good idea? To which the Gemara said, So the Gemara said, interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, the Gemara seems to frame this much more as like a financial consideration, right? Like, is it possible that Zvulun is going to have the means now to support four women? To which the Gemara says, yeah, yeah, maybe he does. Right? He's, Rashi says, Ashir who, he's a rich guy, he's a rich guy, and therefore no problem. To which the Gemara says, I, if that's the case, so why stop at four? Why doesn't the Mishnah go ahead and mention 10 brothers, right? If, if he's got plenty of money and money is not a problem, save and frame or more. So this is actually very interesting. It's a tovah dalit in tfeilo. So we'll say the Mishnah is actually teaching us something very interesting, which is that halacha four would really be the maximum number that Bezin would ever realistically allow a man to take in Yibam. Why? Assuming he has the money to do so. Ki hechi denimtiei ona b'chodesh. Because you're both saying, a man has an obligation to maintain a normal, intimate relationship with his wife. And at a certain point in time, if there's too many women, he's going to be derelict in that responsibility. So the one points out over here, up to four wives, a man could potentially fulfill his intimate obligations. But Lamaisa, more than that, he would not be able to. Now, let's say there's a whole discussion over here, because the way the way the Gemara seems to frame this, it's really quite fascinating, is that Allah Lamaisa, look Rashi, Ono Bechodesh, We'll say Tamutchacham has an obligation to be intimate at least once a week with his wife. So it's interesting over here is, let's say he's a Tamutchacham, if he has an obligation to be intimate with his wife once a week and there are four wives, that ensures that he's with each wife once a month. Which I will say is very strange because the mitzvah of, the way the Gemara is seeming to frame it over here is, the mitzvah of Ona is looked at through the view of the man. The man has an obligation of intimacy once a week, and therefore if there are four wives, one wife a week, so I will say, everyone argues on this Rashi, because Masha brings this down, or the Rush brings this down, because the mitzvah of Ona is usually looked at through the lens of the woman. Right? Not through the lens of the man. The obligation is upon the man, but the level of frequency of intimacy depends on a lot of things. Depends on the profession of the man. All right, not, not a topic for now. The point that I want you to take from this is that, which is really fascinating, is when the guy shows up and bathes in to do yibum, 
Beisdin, Beisdin gives him Eitzahogeneslo. Beisdin gives him unsolicited marital advice about what he should be doing. Is this a Yibum situation, a Chalitza situation? Good. So, says, listen to this. So, remember, the next case in the Mishnah was Reuven was married to two women, Rachel and Leah, unrelated to each other, but Saros, co wives to one another. Ruvain passes away. Now both of these women fall to Shimon. So what do we say? To, so what happens? What's the halacha? Shimon does Yibam or Chalitza with one of the two. Says the Yimara, V'niyabim letarvayhu. Well, I don't understand why. Why can't you do Yibam with both women? In other words, what, why does Rosh Hashanah say? It's fascinating. I'm sorry? He just did it with four. Correct. Now, obviously, we know the answer. We know the distinction is that he did it with four from four different brothers, right? But essentially, that's the Gemara is asking over here. That Lamaisa, I don't understand why. Why can't you do? Why? Why can't Shimon marry both widows of Ruvain? What's What's the problem? We'll say the Pasik over here, interestingly enough, is once again talking about Chalitza, but the Lashon of the Pasik is the person who does, the brother who does Chalitza is someone who will not rebuild the home of his brother. So we'll say, if you notice, by the way, the Torah used Lashon of singular, Beisachiv. As in Yibum, you rebuild one home, you don't rebuild two homes. Xeris HaKosiv. Xeris HaKosiv. Okay, so I understand I can't do Yibum with both. Why can't the surviving brother, why can't Shimon do Chalitza with both? The Pasuk calls by Chalitza, literally again the home, singular of Chalitza now. You only do Chalitza with one bias. So I'll say, interestingly enough, it's the same drasha. The Yimar seems to indicate over here that because in both Yibum and Chalitza, the Torah uses the singular lotion of bias, home, singular, indicating to me only Yibum with one woman, only Chalitza with one woman. So I have a great idea. I have a great idea. Let me do Yibum with one and Chalitza with the other. Right? Isn't, isn't, isn't that easy? Amakra imlo yachbots. Chafet yavam. So we've seen this drasha before as well, that yibam and chalitza are two sides of the same coin. So when do you do chalitza? Only when there's a possibility of yibam. And when is there a mitzvah of yibam? Only when there's a possibility of chalitza. So therefore I will say again, once I know I can't do yibam with both, therefore what? I cannot do chalitza with both. And therefore we go back to the previous drasha, Bayis, Torah speaks about again the home, singular, indicating to me that Yibam and or Chalitza, or Yibam or Chalitza, are only done with one of the women. Va'od, furthermore, Shelo Yomru, Bayis, Mikzaso, Banoi, U Mikzaso, Chalutz. Furthermore, we're going to also say we don't want people saying that, ah, you know, Ruvain's, Ruvain's home, Ruvain is the one brother who passed away, part of it is built, and part of it is Chalutz, the Yomru. I don't understand who cares. Let people say that. Here's the problem we'll say. Eat miyabim ha'adir chalitz ha'chanami. El adilma chalitz ha'adir miyabim v'kam lay below yivna. See, I will say, the truth is, if you want, if you want, you could do yibam and then chalitza, right? I will say, why can you do yibam? So imagine for a moment, again, Ruvain passes away and Shimon decides he's going to do, he's going to do yibam with Rachel 
and chalitza with Leah. I will say, is that okay? Is it okay? The answer is technically yes. Why? Because Lamaisa, after he does Yibam with Rachel, the chalitza with Leah is really what? Inconsequential. So, look, if, if you want to do that, that's fine. But what are we concerned about both sides? See, the opposite would be problematic. Why? Because if Reuven were to go ahead and do Chalitza with Rachel, and then do Yibam with Leah, now we've got a problem. Why? Because after he's done Chalitza, they will say, what has he effectively done? He's severed any level of permissible relationship with his sisters-in-law. So once he does Chalitza with Rachel, if he now does ye- what he thinks is Yibam with Leah, that's not evil. That's like, you know what that's called? You know what that's called? Eshazach. Right? That's called marrying your brother's wife, which is an erva. So therefore, that's why we're concerned, and that's why we don't want him doing things with two wives, with, two, with both of the widows, even though technically there's a way to do it. Maybe we should say like this. Maybe the mitzvah yibam only applies where there's one widow, but maybe where there are two widows, right? Because you also remember again, the entire drasha, right? The entire drasha. How do we know that at the end of the day, you only do yibam with one wife? Because the Torah uses the lashon of bias, singular, singular. And how do we know that you only do chalitza with one wife? Torah uses lashon of bias, singular, to which leads the Torah to float an interesting suggestion. So maybe we should say that the only time that there is a mitzvah of yibum is when there's one widow. But maybe once there's two widows, maybe there's no mitzvah. Or I was going to say two widows from who? Two widows from who? From, right, two widows from the same brother. Maybe there's no mitzvah of yibum in that kind of case. To which the Gemara says, In came, Saras erva da aserachmona lamali. I will say, here's the problem. If that's the case, then what was the point of the first Mishnah of the Masechta? What was the first Mishnah of the Masechta? Saras Erva, where you have two wives, right? Brother Reuven passes away. He leaves behind two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel is an Erva to Shimon. And we went through that whole discussion where the impact, the impact of being the co-wife of an Erva. But if the Mitzvah of Yibam does not apply in a case where there are two widows, how do you ever have the case of Saras Erva? To which the Gemara says, Hashda, Bez Ba'ama, Amart, Lav, Bnei Chalitza, V'yibam, Minhu. If you're going to tell me that in general, two women are not, right, when there are two wives, they're not subject to Yibam and Chalitza. So, Tzaras, Erva, Miboy. Then would a case of Tzaras, Erva, even be Shayach? As the Gemara says, Alam, Allah, maybe not. You could have said as follows, Erva, Abroi, Kaima. Perhaps I would have thought that in a case of Erva, she stands on the outside. In other words, she's not even in the Yibam construct. And therefore, maybe her co-wife should be subject to Yibam. Kamash malon da'asira eli yivinto yivinto riba. Tzuchimara says, you're right. Again, kamash malon that, that, that the erva prohibits her tzara, as we've seen. So we'll say, how do you know that the mitzvah of Yibam applies even when there are multiple wives who are widowed? In other words, even though the, even though the deceased brother was married to multiple wives, yivinto yivinto. We'll say Torah used the double ocean of yivinto yivinto to teach us that even if the deceased brother was married to multiple wives, ultimately the mitzvah of Yibum slash Chalitza devolves upon all of them. So this is a very, very, very important Gemara. Because the Mishnah taught me the halacha, that when Ruvain passes away, leaves, leaves behind one widow, 
the mitzvah of yibum slash chalitza is performed with one of the women. And once you do that with one of the women, the other co-wife is exempted no longer as anything else she has to do. How do we know that? They both say the answer is bias. Singular lashon of bias indicates to us that yibum is only done with one, chalitza is only done with one, and that's it. I, how do we know that? So we'll say, but again, based on that, I might have thought that therefore the mitzvah of yibum only applies when it's one widow. And perhaps again, halacha lamais, if there are multiple widows, perhaps there's no mitzvah of yibum, yivimto, yivimto. The double osh, yivimto, yivimto teaches us that even when there are multiple widows, there's still a mitzvah of yibum or chalitza, but that mitzvah is performed only with one of those women. Incredible. The Bosei, the Mishnah then ended off, haisa achaz kshera. So the Bosei, again, the Mishnah said, if let's say Shimon is going to do chalitza, he should do it with the wife where the chalitza has the lowest impact. So for example, again, Rachel, let's say this, is, this was Rachel's second marriage to Ruvain versus Leah where it was her first marriage. So I'll say, which tells us Rachel is already a grusha. Right? She, 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 she was divorced from her previous marriage to Yaakov. Then she married Ruvain. She's already a grusha. So now Shimon, if you're going to do chalitza anyway, do chalitza with Rachel because this way again her status doesn't really change and don't do chalitza with Leah because if you do chalitza with Leah you're going to turn into a chalitza and ultimately again that would preclude her from marrying into the kuna to which the Gemara says listen to this Amar of Yosef Rabbi Yosef said Kan Shana Rebbe so here Rebbe said the statement Lo Yishpoch Adam Meiboro Vachirim Tzrichim Lahem Rebbe said a person should not fill, spill out the water in his pit or the water in his bucket if other people need it. Others are both saying, what does this mean? You may be finished with the water. You may not need it anymore, but don't spill out perfectly good water that other people could get benefit from, which I will say means, essentially, this is like Baltashkis, do not engage, do not engage in unnecessary waste. So I will say, so the Gemara says over here, why make Leah a chalutza if you don't have to? Right now, she's a widow. And as a widow, Rebbe said, who could she marry? As a widow, who could she marry? Anyone. Okay, so the only person she can't marry is who? Is the coin godel. Can't marry the coin godel. Right, coin godel, that's the marriage of Can't marry coin godel. Okay, fine. One man she can't marry. Fine, fine. But Lamaisa get anyone else she can. So why go ahead and unnecessarily impact her if you don't have to? So I'll say it's, uh, it's a it's an, this whole interesting discussion over here about halacha lamaisa, whether or not there's a din of baltashkas. Is there a din of wasting? You know, we have din, general din of baltashkas. The biblical concept of baltashkas comes with the destruction of, of fruit trees. Right in Parshas Kiseitse, Torah says, when you go out to war, when you go out to war, Torah says, don't unnecessarily, don't, don't destroy trees. Don't destroy fruit trees. Right? Because, and that's baltashkas. If you need it strategically, you could go in and destroy it. So I will say, this becomes the prohibition, the biblical prohibition of like wanton destruction, unnecessary destruction. Just interesting, I would say, because you see this happening now. You see that, um, you see like in this newest front between the war between Russia and Ukraine, Russia's clearly using like a scorched earth policy. They're just, they're destroying everything. Destroying everything. 
in Judaism, we don't believe, right? And Jewish army does not, does not utilize a scorched earth policy. We do not do that. That's Baltai. If you have, whatever you have to destroy for the sake of winning the battle, destroy. But Lamai said destruction for the sake of destruction, we do not do. So there's a whole discussion here. And they're both saying, we, 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 we kind of, this goes forward. You know, you can't unnecessarily rip your clothing. That's, that's Baltashkis. You can't waste food, Baltashkis. Interesting discussion as to whether or not the prohibition of Baltashkis applies to water. Applies to water. I'm drinking a cup of water. I finished the water. Can I just pour it out? So there's a whole discussion over here about, based on this Gemara as to whether or not Baltashkis applies to water. We'll say, what I will tell you something else a little bit. You know, Mayim, water, also, general, also represents Torah. It represents Torah. So there's also a beautiful metaphor in this, right? Lo yishpoch adam mei boro v'achirim tzrichim lo. See, I will say, a person possesses Torah, a person possesses Ruchnius. And you might say, okay, so me, I'm good. I'm good, I have enough. If you have what to give, and if you have what to share, and you don't share it, that's the equivalent of pouring out your water on the ground. So Rabbi says, if you have Torah to share, you have Torah to give, don't keep it to yourself, because keeping it for yourself is the equivalent of just pouring it out. But make sure to take your Ruchnius and share it with others. Failure to take what you have, what you possess, and share it with other people is baltashchis. Is unfortunately unnecessary waste. Incredible. I will say Mishnah. No good Mishnah, no? Great. Great. Incredible. Go back there. So listen to this. So say a person who goes out and remarries his divorcee. So just to be clear, the case we're talking about over here is Ruven divorces Rachel. Ruven divorces Rachel. And then what happens? She marries someone else in the interim. Right? Then she gets divorced. And now Ruven remarries her. Isr da'oraisi. Not allowed to do that. Or or Ruven does chalitza with Rachel. We'll just keep it easy. Ruven does chalitza with Rachel and then, rem- and then marries her afterwards. Or no say krobas chalitza. Or Ruven does chalitza with Rachel and then marries a relative of Rachel. All of these cases pro- prohibited. Now, we'll say the difference is maxer grushaso and ultimately again no say chalutzaso. All right, are both going to be daraisos. No se krovas chalitza. So marrying the relative of the woman with whom you did chalitza is a dirabanon. We'll get to this in the Gemara. What's that lacha? Yotzi vavlad mamzer Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says you have to divorce these women. And any children born from this union, right, are all mamzerim. Wow. The chum, the chum say, ain havlad mamzer. The chum say none of the marriage is aser, but the offspring are not mamzerim. Mode benose krovas grushaso shavlad mamzer. And the chachamim agree, however, that if you marry, so we'll say, let's say again, in this case, where Ruvain divorced Rachel, Ruvain divorced Rachel, and then goes in and marries one of her close relatives. Let's say he goes and he marries her mother or her sister. The chacham will agree in that case that the offspring from that union are mamzerim. Says the Gimar of Sarabi Akiva, Hanose krovas chalutsasu avlad mamzer. Is that true? We'll say at the end of the day, Rabbi Akiva holds that let's say again, Ruven does chalitza with Rachel, and then he marries Rachel's sister afterwards, that the offspring is a mamzer. The Amr of Shlokish will say first, why line Kanshan Rabbi, Achos Grusha Midivrei Torah, Achos Chalutza Midivrei Sofrim. So I will say, marrying the immediate relative of a woman you divorced, that's an Isidar Isa. 
marrying the relative of a woman whom you did chalitza to, that's an Isra Dirabanan. So we'll say, so Rabbi, so we'll say, we understand the Shid of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva holds that whenever you marry someone who, where the relationship is an Isra Dirabanan, that union creates Mamzerim. But Rabbi Akiva say that by an Isra Dirabanan? The Rosh Gemara says, you're right. Tani, Krovas, Gerushasa. You're right, you're right, you're right. Rather, again, I will say, the, the Mishnah should read that according to Rabbi Akiva, if you divorce a woman and then marry one of her immediate relatives, according, according to Rabbi Akiva, the offspring of that union are Mamzerim. So read it as Krovas, Gerushasa, not as Krovas, Chalutzasa. Because Krovas, Chalutzasa will only be in Isid Rabbanon, Therefore, it does not produce mamzeres. Hachanaim Sabbath, it seems to be clear. The Tani Seifa, Umod Dimbino, say Krovas, Kirushas, Shavlad, Mamzer, the Chachamim agree with Rabbi Akiva that if you marry the relative of your divorcee, immediate relative, that the offspring is a Mamzer. So, okay, if Rabbi Akiva himself is also talking about the case of Krovas, Kirushas, then Hainu Diktani Umodin, then it makes sense that the missionaries and the rabbis admit or agree. But if you hold that ultimately, again, Rabbi Akiva is not talking about Krovas Gerushaso, so my umodim, then what does modim mean? So maybe you'll say that the entire point of the Mishnah is to teach us that ultimately, again, if there is a union that is partial by Karis, the offspring of that union, are Mamzerim, Hakatani we already learned that later on. What do we learn later on? Ezehu mamzer, Rabbi say, who's a mamzer? Kol she'er basar shubalo yavo. Rabbi say, any, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, mamzerus comes from any relationship punishable by a love, which Rabbi say is a very, very, very strict standard. Rabbi Shimon Atimni Omer, Rabbi Shimon Atimni says, Kol she'chayavon alav karis bide shamayim. Rabbi say, Rabbi Shimon Atimni, which is how we pass in, then no, no, no. Mamzerus only comes from a relationship punishable by karis. Not by a love. The Gemara says, "Alochal kidvarav," and we paskin like Rabbi Shimon Atimni. So the Gemara says, "Vidilma kasasim latanik Rabbi Shimon Atimni." Maybe a whole point of our mission is just coming to reflect the Rabbi Shimon Atimni. Imkain listni sha'ar chayvei krisos. If that's the case, Rabbi Osai, then the Mishnah should list other cases of chayvei krisos. Krovas kurushaso lamali. Rabbi Osai, the case of krovas kurushaso, as much as it's an iser daraisa, it's not. It's not kares, right? Rabbi Osai, if you divorce a woman and then marry her sister, or marry her mother, that is an Isra Daraisa, it's not an Isra Karis. To which the Gemara says, Elishmamina Rather, we'll say, that's what we said before, it must be, Rabbi Akiva is talking about a case of Krovas Gerushaso, not Krovas Chalusaso. According to Rabbi Akiva, if you marry the immediate relative of the woman who you divorced, that is an Isra Daraisa. And again, according to Rabbi Akiva, if you marry this woman, ultimately the offspring will be a mamzer. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Tani, good, El Shaina Ayriba. The Gemara says, Vidomali Olam Lo Ayriba. Maybe not, maybe not. The Gemara says, Vaidi de Tana Maxi Grushaso, and I'll say Chalutzaso, Krovas Chalutzaso. Tani Nami Krovas Grushaso. I'll say, maybe once we're talking about over here, Maxi Grushaso. No se chalutzaso, krovas chalutzaso. We added in here also krovas grushaso. Ela krovas chalutzaso, Rabbi Akiva, have mamzer. So also you're going to suggest that if a man does chalitza, if a man does chalitza with a woman, and then what? 
goes ahead and straight to Eschalitz with her and then marries her relative to the country of Yakiva, that's going to create Mamzeira. So both say that's a real stretch. Because remember again, marrying the relative of the woman with whom you did chalitza is an isr derabanan. So to say that such a union will create, such a union will create mamzeris is very strong. Am Rabbi Chiva Abba, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Hanif from Rabbi Akiva, Damakra, base chalutz hanal. I will say, what's Rabbi, what, would, what would Rabbi Akiva's logic be? He would say, look, the Torah after you do chalitza, I will say, what does the Torah call this woman? Base chalutz hanal, the home of the removed shoe. Hakasov Kiro Bias. Rabbi say, what do you see? The Torah calls a chalutza a bias. A bias. Rabbi say, what does bias represent? Bias represents a wife. A wife, right? A marital unit. So the fact that the Torah calls the chalutza ultimately, again, a bias indicates to us that there is an erva status associated with that. To which everyone agrees that if a man remarries his divorce, that ultimately the offspring is pogum. So I will say, now we're being introduced to something a little bit different. So now let's go back to the previous case. Reuven was married to Rachel. He divorces Rachel. Rachel marries another man, Yaakov. Then Rachel gets divorced from that man. Now Reuven remarries Rachel. I will say that is an Isr Da'oraisa. So remember again, according to Rabbi Akiva, children from that union will be Mamzerim. According to the Rabbanon, they're not going to be Mamzerim. So what are they? So now the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosef, in the name of Shem and Barabi, everyone agrees that if you remarry your divorcee after she's been married to someone else, Havlad Pogum Lekohuna. The child is blemished. The offspring is blemished. Lakuna. So what does it mean blemished? Rashi says over here, Shavlat Pagum Tap Rashi, Mem Dalamadez, Vim Yolda Bas Psulakuna Kichalala. They both say, what does he mean? Listen to this. This impact is really only felt on girls, not really felt on boys. Then Allah Khalamaisa, if they have a girl, that girl is not permitted to marry into the Kahuna. So it's what's called Pogum Rabosei, right? So again, she can marry anyone else she wants, but she cannot marry a Kohen. So the says, Mana Komodim, who, who is the everyone who agrees? Shimna Timni. It's Shimna Timni. The Afagabdom Shimna Timni, Imam Zermechavi Lavin, even though Shimna Timni normally holds that what? That Allah saw a marital union, a marriage prohibited by a love, does not create Mamzerus, right? Even though, again, the offspring will not be a mamzer, the offspring will be pogum. And I will say what pogum simply means is if it's a girl, if it's a girl, she can't marry a coin. If it's a boy, what does pogum mean? What does pogum mean? Nothing. Nothing. So lamaisa, lamaisa, right? Lamaisa, what it might mean is, I don't know, maybe people will have a yichus problem, right? But lamaisa, it doesn't impact his, his, his marriage pool. To which the Gemara says, listen to this. The Gemara says, It's a from Amona. Ma'amona, the Kohen Gadol, she needs to reshav bakol, pagum, bose in Amona, ultimately again, who is only ushered to the, right, who is only ushered to Kohen Gadol. Right, in Amona, she's not ushered to anyone other than a Kohen Gadol. Right, what's the halacha? She needs to reshav bakol, bina pagum, if she does, right, her, her offspring, ultimately again is pagum, 
Zu, this woman, Maxir Grushasa woman, Shesura Shevabakal, right? Because we'll say no one is permitted to remarry their divorcee after she's married someone else. Eno din shabina pagum, all the more so all her offspring should be pagum. Ikalamifrak to which the Gomez Kadachom is not a good Kadachomer. Mala Amana Shekin, he asma miskalalas. And Amana herself, Rabosai, and Amana herself, when she marries the Kohen Gadol, she herself becomes. Peguma, so to speak. She becomes a halala. Va'od hito evaksiv ve'in bane'a tovin. Further, we're going to say, the Pasuk is lashon of to'evahi, she becomes disqualified, but not her offspring. Va'od tanya, furthermore, we learned, ha'maxer grushasal, va'nosei chalutzasal, va'nosei kruvas chalutzasal. Furthermore, we learned in the Braisal, if a man remarries his divorcee, or ultimately remarries his chalutza, or marries the immediate relative of his chalutza, Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Akiva says, "In lo ba kiddushin, ve'ino tzrich himene get ve'hi psula vlada ve'vlada pasul." Rabbi Akiva holds. I will say, see, Rabbi Akiva also holds that kiddushin is not tovsim bechayvei laven. He holds that kiddushin doesn't even take effect where where it is biblically prohibited, and therefore, Allah Almighty Rabbi Akiva holds in all of these cases. Ultimately, what? There's no kiddushin. Because there's no kiddushin, you don't need a get to dissolve the union. The woman herself is psula, and her offspring are pasal. The kofin also the And we force a man to go ahead and not live with any of these women. The chum, the chum say just the opposite. First of all, yesh lo kiddushin. They both say the chum of the opinion that Allah, so when you have a marriage that is punishable by a lav, kiddushin is tovsin. Even though the marriage is asr, right, the marriage takes effect. Utsrichim and get, and therefore to dissolve the union, what do you need? You need a divorce. Vehi kshera, ultimately again, she is kshera, right? She is, she is permitted, right? She herself is permitted. Vlada kasher, and her offspring is permitted. So what's the Deuteronomy of the Laman? When we say permitted, permitted to who? Lav kahuna, is it not permitted to the kahuna? Lo lakal. No, I will say, can't marry into the kuna, but who can they marry into? Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael, right? They're not disqualified ultimately again from Klal Yisrael. To which the Gemara says, Iyachi, if that's the case, he kshere laman. So I will say, so you're telling me now, the children, the children ultimately again are permitted to come into the kal, to Klal Yisrael. Iyachi, he kshere laman. If that's the case, when we say that she is kshere, who is she Kshera to? Ilema Lakal, if you want to say in the Kal Yisrael, Pshita, that's obvious. Mishum Dizanya Afsi Lakal, because she engaged in an illicit relationship, she's not allowed to marry into Kal Yisrael, it doesn't make sense. Alalav Lakahuna, rather, it must be into the Kahuna. Umidihi Lakahuna, Vlada Nami Lakuna. and if she's permitted to marry into the Kuna, her offspring shall be permitted to marry into the Kuna. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Mide area, Hakidisa va Hakidisa. Maybe not. Maybe we just say that ultimately, again, she's treated one way and her children are treated a different way. In other words, we'll say, or point kind of here is we assumed up until this point that whatever the status of the woman is going to be the status of the, of the children. To which the Imara says, maybe not. Maybe ultimately, again, you could have a situation where although the mother engaged in, a, in an illicit relationship, she may still be permitted to the kuhuna, whereas her children are not permitted into the kuhuna. 
To which the Gemara says, Haganayim Sarah seems to be correct. Tani Risha, he psula, vlada pasal. She is pasal, and her offspring is pasal. He psula the man, she is disqualified. I will say, for who? For who? If you want to say it's the Klal Yisrael, Mishum Tizano, if Sully, because she committed an act of Znus, she wouldn't be permitted to marry to Klal Yisrael. It doesn't make any sense. The Gemara says, Ela Lav Lekahuna. Rather, it must be that she is, she is, she is Psula, ultimately, again, for the Kahuna. Vlada Pasal, and we say that her offspring is Pasal, the man. If you want to say this to the Kahuna, Hala Kal Kosher. Ultimately, before the cow shall be kasher, rather a mercy to the cow. Because we're just pointing out over that Allah says, as tempting as it is to go ahead and say that whatever is the status of the mother, the kahuna is the status of the children, that's not necessarily the case. The Gemara says, the hita eva, nami hito eva, and sarasato eva, ava banea tovin. So we'll say, rather, what will we say? The Pazik says, Toiva he, she will be an abomination, but ultimately, again, not her koi. But her children, ultimately, again, will be stuck in the same status with her. Ella Amana Kasha, I bought you with Amana, Mala Amana Shakini Aswa Mishalalas, Eli Itmar Haki Itmar. So we'll say, rather, here's how you have to go ahead and frame this. So we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. I apologize, we did that last piece quickly. We'll pick up with the Ella Itmar Haki Itmar tomorrow. And we'll say, so again, where we're left with just right now, just what we're left with is, we've got Rabbi Akiva saying that Halach Alamaisa, even Isure Lav create Mamzerus. That's what we've got from Rabbi Akiva. We've got the Chachamim disagreeing. The only case that comes seem to agree is in the case of Machzir Rushaso, where Allah is again, if you remarry your divorcee, that could potentially go ahead and create Mamzerus. Rabbi say Shimon Timni telling us that Allah the only problematic case is an Isr Kares, that's what creates Mamzerus, but anything other than that does not. And Mirat Sashem, the resolution of this sugya, tomorrow. Shukarach HaMosayim. All right, a good night, everyone. Have a good night.